What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Fuelcraft Survival Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, this is Austin, your host for the ad space today. I'm sitting down with Robbie P. Hey, what's going on, what's up, man? It's our marketing director, Rob. I'm sure you guys have probably heard him a couple times. Uh, he's a pretty cool guy, I guess. That's why we let him do this. I guess. Let you him know. out of the cubicle. Somebody's got to keep Austin under control. Got to try at least. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and jump into what makes this content free for you guys. And first up is Triarch Systems. So Triarch makes, in my opinion, the premier weapon systems. And that's why we've partnered with them. And that's why they've been with us since really the beginning. Yeah. I mean, we've had a good relationship with them for forever, uh, since long before I was here. Um, yeah. And I, I, we always try to partner with companies that not only make amazing products, but they're good people. Yeah. And they were here for us for our grand opening. You know, we have a really good working relationship and a lot of good personal relationships from those guys over there. So guys, head over to triarchsystems.com, use code FUELCRAFT, and it'll save you 5% at your next build at triarchsystems.com. Again, guys, that, I mean, the best weapon systems that I've ever used. I know the training apparatus for FUELCRAFT loves them. So go over to triarchsystems.com, use that code, and get 5% off. Next up is Haven Tents. Tell us about Haven Tents, Robbie P. Haven Tents, uh, they're a local company for us. Um, and so we've been able to go over and meet with them and uh, they make a great product. It's mm -hmm. a it's a hammock tent mm -hmm. that's basically a fully enclosed sleeping system. Yeah, and um, you can sleep hammock or ground with it, You can it, right? sleep on the ground and yeah. you can use something like a tree or uh, hiking poles to to hold it up, mm -hmm. but you can do it on the ground. It's designed obviously to be hung from yeah. in the air from trees. But the one I I actually slept in that in Moab when we went uh, for Easter Jeep yeah. Safari this year, and um, contrary to popular belief, thinking the desert's always warm, it was pretty <laughs> chilly that night. But I actually stayed um, rather comfy in that thing. Um, hung it up under the uh, little shelter area underneath yeah. the poles. Worked pretty out. Pretty good, and it comes with the the system comes with everything you need. So it has the yeah. guy lines, the sleep pad, the, the actual tent enclosure. It comes with a fly, everything. So it's a pretty sweet setup. Yeah, they got it. They got the the design kind of dialed in now. Mm -hmm. They they're making an XL version now oh, for sweet. the people that are don't like being kind of cramped, but yeah. it's it lays flat. Mm -hmm. So that you're not all curled up like you yeah. are in the normal, the normal hammocks so that you actually get a good sleep. And yeah, because in a normal hammock, it's comfortable to lay in, maybe a nap. But if you sleep like a full night sleep in it, you just, wake up kind of cramped. It's weird. Yeah. But this this system is 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 spot on. So, guys, check it out at haventents.com and then pick one up using the code FIELDCRAFT and it'll save you $20 off your bundle. Again, that's code FIELDCRAFT for $20 off. And next up is Uncanna. Uncana makes a suite of great CBD products, including their CBD oils that I use fairly regularly, probably not as regularly as I should, keep the old joints loose, and then the uh, CBD salve that I do use quite often. Um, I actually found out recently that I had an injury while I was in the military, hurt my back, was laid up for a few weeks with it, didn't know, and come to find out I actually <laughs> broke my back, which is kind of crazy, but I've been putting a CBD salve on my back for a long time. And it actually does give me quite a relief, you know, it allows the muscles and everything to relax. So it's a great product. Yeah, definitely gets deep into the muscles. And it's one of those things where um, it, it's a natural solution for, mm -hmm. for pain and for all the other ailments that, you know, you yeah. guys might be having. And um, it, it's one of those things that's the solution is unique to everybody. So you kind of mm -hmm. got to dial in your own solution. Right. But once you find that, Oh, it's a game changer. It, it works. And I mean, it, I use the salve whenever I'm trying to relax, like I get home from work or have been out, like we were just teaching land nav and I actually um, use this CBD oil, 
yesterday after land nav and it kind of helped me relax because i built up a ton of lactic acid out there running around in the woods but guys head over to uncanna.com again use code fieldcraft and it'll save you 10 percent off your purchase that's code fieldcraft for 10 percent off your purchase now we're heading off to the podcast thanks guys Hey guys, welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Estella. I am a uh, regular in the training circle and, you know, someone who gets to every once in a while interview really, really interesting folks. And this gentleman is is no exception. A um, little background. This gentleman uh, had a restaurant in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, I lived not far from New Haven, Connecticut for a long time, and I would pass by this all the time. And I would hear through local friends because, you know, we had uh, very similar circles about this restaurant. And I was like, all right, let me go to it. And then I go and I read the the menu and I'm like, this menu is pretty, pretty incredible. And then I read more about the chef and I see that this guy is into you know, fishing and, and sustainability and edible plants. And I'm like, this guy's basically a survivalist posing as a, as a, you know, restaurateur. Well, over the years, um, you know, he and I developed a friendship, mutual respect. We, we saw each other on Instagram and on, on social media and he's doing really incredible things. Now, the reason I'm bringing him onto the Fieldcraft survival podcast is because we all eat. Now, most of us are going to have a vehicle, but not everyone's going to have a really badass uh, overlanding rig. But every one of us at some point today, maybe even while you're listening to this podcast, you're consuming food. And that word food is something that is defined very differently from one culture to the next. What we consider food here might not necessarily be sustainable, and it might not be something that will survive necessarily a crisis or an emergency that we've seen play out in recent years. Well, this gentleman kind of breaks the mold when it comes to uh, the restaurant business and the food culture. And he's making amazing dishes that I've personally consumed uh, along with an interesting sake, which we'll talk about that in a second. Um, this guy is someone who I highly respect and I think you're going to enjoy him. His name is none other than Bun Lai. Bun, how are you, brother? Hey, brother Kevin, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yeah, well, you're over the phone, so and I can't keep up with you. Where are you right now, physically? Yeah, right now I'm uh, in uh, D.C., uh, hanging out in the cabin. No kidding. And you were just fishing yesterday. Uh, where were you? What water? Uh, yeah, so I bounce around all over the place, but I'm in D.C. because uh, the this is the epicenter for the 17-year cicada um, explosion. A cicada is a a uh, type of insect um, there's 3,500 different species around the world, and I'm experimenting with uh, using cicadas as food. And I think a lot of people, they, they probably have cicadas uh, or they've heard cicadas in their backyard. I mean, I know that I've definitely woken up to them uh, swinging from a, from a couple trees, you know, in my hammock. And I mean, they're, it's amazing the noise that comes from them. But what's interesting yeah. is that you're actually using them in sushi recipes. And I thought I saw something recently where you were frying them. Um, but what I, what I find yeah. it, what I find interesting with, with your recipes and everything is number one, you're not shying away from something that a lot of people would say, Oh my God, I would never eat an insect. Um, can you talk a little yeah. bit about like your experience as a chef working with insects and like how to get people yeah. over that, that initial like gag factor? Yeah. So, uh, what I specialize is, is in novel, 
um, food ingredients, um, ingredients that are abundant but underutilized, ingredients like invasive species, for example, um, that are abundant and destructive of the environment too, uh, in order for us to take our uh, appetite away from uh, types of eating that are destructive of the environment and human health. So an uh, example of something that would be destructive of the environment and human health is um, eating processed foods. You know, rather than eating something that's processed like a factory farmed uh, hot dog, um, eating a cicada is much more um, healthy for your body and better for the environment because there's so many of them, trillions coming out uh, uh, at once. Wow. That, that, that's amazing to me that, that, I mean, the, the idea of eating insects is one that always comes up in survival circles, right? It, people are always like, yeah. well, do you have to eat bugs on your courses? And having a, yeah. men, having a mentor who was very much into edible and medicinal plants, he was like, listen, you don't have to yeah. eat insects because you can usually thrive off of the plants. You will need to get protein at some point. But here's an interesting story that, that Marty used to tell This is my, my late mentor. And this is something I'm sure you, you, you know, way more than me about. But when Marty was working at uh, one of the survival schools, he was told by a, a superior um, military officer, hey, you go down to the local bait shop and buy X number of pounds of earthworms. Marty went out, he got the earthworms, he brought them to the, uh, to the mess hall and he gave them to the chef. And that night the chef had put them into uh, sloppy joes, right? He purged them, he put them to sloppy joes. Now there's an incoming group of students and they all consume the sloppy joes. And this is where it gets really good. A couple days later, now they're learning about survival psychology and the instructor is saying, you'd be amazed at what your, your mind can do if you just separate your mind from, from what you have to do. And all these, all these students are like, no way, no way, no way. And he goes, you would be able to eat bugs if you had to. And a lot of the guys in the room were like, no way. I'm not never eating a bug, not doing it. I'll starve. And he pulls out the receipt that Marty had from the bait shop. And he goes, two nights ago, you did. And here's the interesting part. Immediately, there were two or three guys in this group of students that immediately vomited. And what's interesting about that is, is that their (laughs) system already processed everything. There's no, there's nothing physical that caused them to vomit. It was all in their mind. Um, Yeah. I mean, you've worked with crickets, right? I, I think I recall yeah. that on your menu and now cicadas. Are there any insects yeah. that you would say have like more of a, like a visceral reaction from people when they see them on the menu? Like, how could you do Listen, that? Uh, and the work and the work that I do with notable types of food, um, I, I'm grossed out uh, a lot of the times <laughs> myself. Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, when I'm, when I'm working on eating a, a grub, I'm not dying to eat that grub. It's, it's with the intellectual understanding that our ancestors have been eating these uh, creatures, uh, you know, uh, uh, as long as we've been around. And that three quarters of the world still do eat, do eat insects and they don't eat insects because they're starving for them because they, they eat them because they like to eat them because they taste good. And with that understanding, I, I, I approach eating these new ingredients. It doesn't mean that I don't get grossed out. I get grossed out all the time. I gag plenty of times too. I mean, there are some really unforgettable experiences that I've had in eating new ingredients. But that said, um, I also understand that uh, when it comes down to what you we're used to eating, it's about social construct. Society mm-hmm. has has taught us to, to like certain things and dislike other things. 
I also understand that today we're um, in a situation where the biggest pandemic isn't the COVID pandemic. It's the pandemic of diet related diseases. And society has steered us wrong as far as uh, what to eat. So we now have all these incredibly powerful flavors. You know, a long time ago, sugar used to be very expensive. Now it's in everything. So now we have diabetes, heart disease, cancer, all related to uh, the consumption of sugar and highly processed foods. So now we have to, we're in a, we're, we're in a situation where we have to rethink the way uh, uh, we're choosing to eat, which also means that we have to retrain our, retrain our palates to like the kind of foods that we are not used to that are better for our bodies and also for the planet. Man, when you talk about how society has constructed what is acceptable, what's unacceptable, I read a book a couple years ago called Sugar, Salt, and Fat. And it mm -hmm. was a really interesting read because it was all about how during, say, like the mid 20th century, all these food companies came out and they were really pushing this idea that, hey, these certain foods are bad for you. Uh, you know, this type of fat is bad. You know, you should have sugar here, sugar there. And they were promoting it. And that created the the obesity pandemic, as you're as you're mentioning. Mm. And, and then what was interesting was the combinations of the sugars, the salts and the fats, like there was a certain like golden ratio that the all these food scientists which we forget that there are scientists employed by all these major companies that are breaking it down very analytically to create almost like an addiction to to certain certain foods certain chemicals and certain things that happen to our bodies um so when you're talking about how like hey you're not supposed to have this you're not supposed to have that like look at something like freaking lobster right Back in the day, lobster was considered slave food because it was fed. Yeah. They were so plentiful. And now, I mean, what's the going rate for lobster? You know, it's suddenly a or caviar a, or, or caviar. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, used to give them away at bars. Wait, 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 wait. They used to give caviar used away to give, at bars? They uh, used to give caviar away at bars. Uh, like, it, you know, they'd catch uh, sturgeon uh, in the Hudson River. Yeah. And uh, there's so many sturgeon. You can walk on the back of the back of those fish practically, you know, and uh, – <laughs> No one uh, paid uh, money for uh, uh, sturgeon eggs back in the day. Now, what is it? A few hundred dollars per few ounces. <laughs> Man, that is. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember reading stories of like the early pioneers and like how they could catch fish so easily and game was so plentiful and whatnot. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I mentioned this in a, a podcast a couple of weeks ago that we're only a couple of generations away from having to go or from I should we're only a couple of generations from the time when our our ancestors were going out and catching their own food as opposed to just going to the store and, and buying it in, in neat pretty little bundles. Um, but you do that yeah. still. Um, I yeah. saw, so if, if you guys are listening and, you, and you're wondering who we're talking to, this is Bun, uh, Bun Lai. And I watched you in a couple documentaries doing the Asian crab hunt. Um, yeah. Can you talk about that as like an invasive species yeah. and how you, how you put them into the recipes? Yeah. So the, the idea about invasive species is this, um, listen, I grew up fishing. I grew up fantasizing about fish way before uh, I was dreaming about, you know, girls. It was, it was the saltwater fisherman's Bible is what I had. You know, I, I was, um, I grew up reading the book, you know, books like the yearling and where the red fern grows. I imagine myself, uh, the light in the forest as a native American, you know, living in the woods. Um, that's what I did. But the reality of, uh, 
hunting and fishing as as many hunter and fishermen know and that's why many fishermen are catch and release fishermen as well is that wild animals are not an endless resource mm-hmm. it's not like back in the day you know when there are only a few a uh, few million people you know a few hundred million people on earth uh today uh there are many more human beings than there are uh mammals on earth so we can't tell everybody on earth to go and become hunters you know it's it's a luxury to become a hunter and to to be able to eat that way but if you want to be a hunter and if you want to be a fisherman and also not uh add to the fact that we are now uh responsible for the biggest period of 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 animal extinction and plant extinction since the last time a meteor hit and caused that but this time it's because of human beings. We don't want to add to that. Then you go and start hunting and fishing invasive species because invasive species are practically endless, uh, a resource, uh, in North America alone, there are 50,000 of them. My God. And for example, if you're going to go, you know, uh, bluefin tuna are, are famously overfished, mm-hmm. um, uh, because of sushi. Well, if, if people eating sushi would, um, stop eating bluefin tuna or eat less of it and then focus that appetite on uh, invasive silver carp that are now in 14 or 18 states and that become 90% of, of the biomass of the, uh, the rivers and lakes that they end up in, that would make much more sense. And to your question of Asian shore crabs, I got into it because where you and I grew up mm-hmm. uh, along the Long Island Sound, when we were growing up, Asian shore crabs didn't exist. And then in the late 80s, they were introduced. And now all the way from Nova Scotia to Florida, um, Asian shore crabs have taken over. So if you're going to be eating um, seafood uh, from New England, uh, one of the types of seafood that we can be eating and should be eating is the endlessly abundant invasive Asian shore crab, which is also very, very tasty, but nobody's eating them. How do you prepare those? Um, man, there's a lot of different ways. So you can make them into a condiment. For example, you can uh, uh, crush them up and and pack them in salt and make fish sauce. Fish sauce is something that people uh, have been making uh, for thousands of years. The Romans used to call it garum. Basically, it's a soy sauce condiment, a soy sauce tasting, uh, uh, soy sauce like tasting condiment made out of uh, uh, fish and other types of seafood. Um, uh, another thing that you can uh, do with it is you can saute it. They're like soft shell crabs because the shells are so thin, and you get these beautiful tiny little crabs, and you can put them over pasta or eat them with your vegetables. It can be your protein. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You can make them into, uh, soup stock, you know, and then take the crabs out and then saute them. Uh, and now you have a soup and then you have a saute of crab too. Anything that you can do with a soft shell crab, you can also do with, uh, an Asian shore crab. Do you need to have a license to go after some of these invasive species? Cause I know like in like mm-hmm. Texas and in Arkansas and some of the Southern States where there's yep. an ab- over an abundance of like feral hogs that mm-hmm. it's open season year round. I mean the, the state yeah. they're taking millions of hogs every single year and they are saying that they're mm-hmm. still not taking enough. Um, do you need yeah, any license for, for these invasives? 
Um, well, you have to also be, uh, I don't think anyone's going to give you a, a problem, uh, <laughs> harvesting invasive Asian short grabs, but that said, you got to be careful where you harvest anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, when you're collecting shellfish or if you're collecting, say like seaweed, uh, which I like to eat as well, you have to go to, um, areas where they're certified for shellfishing. Okay. Um, because so much of our waters and so much of our lands are, are polluted today. So, um, when I forage, I, I'm very, very careful not to forage where, uh, the land is contaminated with heavy metals like lead. And it's the same thing, uh, when it comes down to when I'm catching Asian shore crabs. And there are certain, there are certain, uh, shellfish that have higher concentrations, right. Of the, of the pollutants and the toxins, right. Like mussels versus clams versus, uh, you know, other bivalves. Like there are mm-hmm. like, which are the ones that you avoid? And like, if, if our listeners are saying, Never Hey, eat yeah. like a freshwater clam, yeah, you know, for example, uh, those things will live over a hundred years. And since no one eats them, chances are you're going to be eating a really old clam that's been filtering industrial toxins for generations and uh that will really mess you up and uh um also just not uh, there are species of clams uh and and mussels where we grow uh, where where we are there is a type of mussel that looks absolutely delicious but which is so efficient that at uh grabbing uh, curse, uh, uh pollutants uh, out of the uh, the water that, that you should never eat it. Um, so it's really, really important to know the species that you're going after and also, um, that you're, you're getting it from, uh, areas that are clean enough to eat. Man, you know, that show alone, yeah. they're up in British Columbia. Um, they're, uh, I think it's North Vancouver. They're, that's where they film a lot of the episodes or they used to. Mm-hmm. And there was one season where they told all the contestants, you are not allowed to eat any shellfish because of that red tide. And, uh, Dave, oh, yeah. yeah, Dave McIntyre, who I met at blade show a few years ago, he was telling mm-hmm. me, he said it was the biggest tease in the world because he could, I mean, he walked out of his little camp area and he was very lucky fishing, but when he walked out of his camp area, he's like, man, this is going to be great. And he saw all these clams and, and mussels and shellfish that he couldn't eat. And he said that the temptation was definitely there You know what I mean? because <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there's an old, uh, yeah. I think it's an old Spanish proverb. It's like the belly rules the mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I mean and that's it, a big problem. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. now <laughs> you talked about seaweed, um, how yeah. do you, how do you harvest that? Uh, again, you have to go into areas where the water is clean enough to harvest it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, if it's clean enough to eat fish out of, then it's clean enough to eat seaweed out of, um, off the, you know, where we are, uh, where, we're, where we grew up, uh, there's a lot of certified, uh, shellfishing, uh, grounds that are open to the public. You need to pay 25 bucks and you can go and get the, as many clams as you like uh, during the day or whatever. Um, anywhere like that, it's, it's, it's good to get seaweed. But then there are other places, for example, where there's a lot of people living around and which are not certified for clams, then you should not go and get seaweed. But seaweed is something that we should definitely all get into because, again, uh, uh, seaweed is uh, very regenerative, um, especially when you farm it. You, know, you, you don't need to give it fertilizer. You don't need to you need to give it feed you don't use pesticides or herbicides you don't use fresh water it's like the 
the most optimal, uh, most sustainable way uh, you can grow uh, a vegetable. Um, and, and not only that, it's one of the healthiest vegetables that you can eat too. So I, I love foraging for seaweed. Uh, I love buying wild local seaweed when I can. Uh, it's an industry that's it's growing really, really quickly here in New England. All right, guys, we're going to interrupt your podcast for just a second and talk to you about our sponsor, 10,000. 10,000 makes the premium for men's active wear, and I've been wearing their stuff for a little while now, and I've really learned to enjoy it. I mean, I just completed a, a pretty long hike up here in the in the Wasatch Mountains, and I had a couple river crossings, was roughing them up on the rocks, and I really was expecting to kind of tear up my clothing while I was doing this, because I normally wouldn't try to do something like that in shorts. I'd wear pants or whatever, but... I was really impressed to see that it took the entire beating. It got wet, dried super quick, and it was super, super comfortable. It was the seven inch tactical shorts that they make. And the tactical shorts were created to withstand the demanding and ever-changing requirements of military fitness. So they tested these shorts out and all their clothing with a bunch of different special operations units and special operations members. And everybody's had nothing but great things to say. So their ultra light ripstop fabric tough as nails waistband, permanent anti-odor treatment, the no bounce pockets, and it actually has the medium compression anti-chafe liner that's already built into the shorts, which is super nice for my dudes out there. Um, and I got to tell you guys, the 10,000 brand is offering our listeners 15% off your purchase. Go to 10,000.cc and enter code FUELCRAFT to receive 15% off your purchase. That is 10,000.cc and enter code FUELCRAFT. I promise you guys, you won't regret it. Back to the podcast. Yeah, I, when I first started yeah. with FUELCRAFT and I first visited uh, the owner of the company, Mike, Mike's half Korean, uh, yeah. I was over there and his mother was over and she's like, oh, you got to try this, you got to try this. And I mean, I was eating more seaweed in, in one serving and it was great because uh, I mean, I, yeah. I could not say no. Uh, I didn't want to be disrespectful, but also, yeah. I mean, his mother is is pretty forceful with with her food, and it's all delicious. <laughs> so, I mean, I left there yeah. very very full. But you're not ju- yeah. you're not just foraging on land or on water. You're foraging on land, and you've done some interesting yeah. stuff with burdock, right? Yeah. Well, so burdock is an invasive species as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, on land, I'm not only interested in invasive species. I'm in- interested in pestilent species. I'm interested in weeds. So an example of that is uh, 5 billion pounds of pesticide uh, go into the environment every year. A lot of that comes from the fact that many of us like to keep lawns that are weed, weed free. Mm-hmm. Um, farmers uh, get rid of weeds um, and pests uh, using pesticides and, and, and herbicides too. Uh, the issue with that is that uh, many of these chemicals are carcinogenic and uh, ends up in our water system and uh, ends up in the air that we're breathing, ends up in the food that we're eating, and then uh, ends up in our bodies. Um, the the practical um, approach to this is that uh, we don't really need to be using a lot of pesticides and herbicides because many of these um, weeds are not only edible, but exponentially more nutritious than anything else that we can eat and anything else that we can grow uh, on an or- organic farm because over 16,000 years of cultivation, we have been able to cultivate uh, fruits and vegetables that are um, sweeter, larger, prettier, uh, more resilient in certain ways, 
but not more nutritious. So over time, our food has become much less nutritious than uh, what our ancestors were eating. And that's why I like to eat as many wild foods as, as possible, but I don't really go for the wild foods that everyone likes to go for. Like people in New England go crazy about ramps. I don't really bother with ramps <laughs> because ramps are often over harvested. And also I just think people tend to fetishize foods. So a food becomes popular and, and then next thing you know, everybody else wants to do it. So I would rather, if we're going to fetishize something, fetishize uh, the species that are out there that no one wants to eat because many of those are actually better than what we're eating anyway. Actually, all of those are. And that's what I've been doing on land. So I go for, I've been doing burdock since I was a kid because my mom's Japanese and uh, uh, that's what she used to do. And, um, but off on a tangent, uh, I also go for a whole plethora of, of uh, other weeds. So in my garden, I would say three quarters of the weeds that uh, come out are, are edible and are healthier to eat than everything that I'm growing intentionally. And then when it comes down to, uh, pestilence species, uh, one of the, one of the species that I'm going to work, uh, uh, work on, and I'll definitely post it when I do it is, will be, um, crop, crop attacking rats because, uh, rats are a big problem that we're, uh, we're having too, that are attacking our crops. Damn, and, that's oh my god! And it, for it, a lot of reasons, people are grossed out by them. You know, uh, rats are partly responsible for the fleas that wiped out three quarters of Europe you uh -huh. know, uh, during Black Death. So it's in our genetics to be afraid of rats. But Man. it's not just rats. You know, one thing that we really have to think about is when we're eating animals, there's a lot of risks that we're taking. You know, there's a whole plethora of different diseases that you can get from um, eating wild animals and um, throughout history um, um, like, uh, contagions uh, contagions have jumped from wild animal populations uh, to humans you know and uh, and uh, a, a recent example of that is the COVID pandemic you know, mm -hmm. that doesn't happen from eating burdock. It doesn't happen from eating wild plants. It happens from eating animals. So eating animals are very, very risky. Um, part of the reason why um, human became human beings became healthier is because we stopped eating raw, raw meat. You know, a million years ago, uh, we started cooking with fire. And then food not only started to taste different, but it became safer to eat. Man, I'll tell you something. As a as a podcast host, uh, I often have to kind of keep the conversation going, and I'm 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 not taking any notes here, but I'm like kind of keeping <laughs> mental log because there's so many talking points I want to bring up and kind of just uh, add to supplement what you're saying because there's so much, so many golden nuggets. When we talk about like your your lawn and your lawn having all these weeds, people consider dandelions weeds, yet dandelions yeah. have great blood purifying properties they consider plantain yeah, yeah. they consider plantain a, a, a weed yet 
Plantain yeah. can be used uh, much like Metamucil. They consider sheep sorrel, and and I mean, I could go through sheep sorrel, wood sorrel. Uh, all these are weeds, according to to a lot of people. Yet they're nutritious. Um, yeah. One, one thing I'll tell people: if you guys are listening and you're like, "Hey, I want to go in my backyard and start eating my lawn," try to avoid gathering plants that are near roads because roads have runoff, right? So go into the woods yeah. and you'll find a lot of those. Now, your your point, your point that you just mentioned with, uh, you know, eating rats, my God, yeah. like I, I'll tell you, like I've, I've eaten some nasty stuff as a survival instructor, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, on courses, you just eat what you have to eat. Um, yeah. God, the whole idea of, of a rat is going to, it's going to throw people off, but yet yeah. you look I, at- I find it to be completely vile. Oh yeah. 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 You look at someone yeah, like grosses me out to no end. Yeah. <laughs> now my friend, Tony Nestor, desert survival instructor, he is a guy mm-hmm. who does a lot of micro trapping. He said, look, you're not going to go yeah. out and kill Bambi and have meat for days. You're probably going to catch the rodents that are, that are in, in the desert climate, right? They're going to be attracted to water. You're going to find them in caves yeah. and he's eaten, I don't know how many, how many small critters over the years, but he says that the best trick for getting the fleas off of the rats or whatever you're doing is soak them in water before you skin them. Right. And, ah. and some people soak them in water. Some people will, will quickly like, uh, put them over fire to burn off whatever you can. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. but you're right. Like there's so many things that people don't realize could kill them in raw foods. Um, oh, yeah. cra- craziest story that I have about Alaska. We're, we're going back to Alaska in, in August. We caught the most picture perfect, fresh silver salmon, uh, and we took it from the water and we put it on the grill with within, no exaggeration, within like an hour, two hours. And yeah. I'll never forget watching a worm in the salmon. And I was like, what is yeah. that? And the guide was like, oh yeah, almost all the salmon out here have worms, but when you mm-hmm. flash freeze them or you cook them, you kill them and they're not gonna do any harm to you. Uh, yeah, that's right. As a sushi chef, right? I mean, cause there are people yeah. out there that wanna experiment and famously in the pilot for Man versus Wild, Bear Grylls grabs a fish from the water and he eats the fish, you know, bites right through it, not even realizing or not even making reference to the fact that the water has all these waterborne illnesses in it. But people are like, I'm gonna eat sushi. Do you have any yeah. recommendations uh, for if someone wants to do sushi at home, like a safe yeah. way of handling it to make sure that they can kind of mitigate the effects of it? Like uh, of any like mishandling? Yeah. Um, cook the fish. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's what fire's for. Um, in out of all the wealthy nations, Japan, the Japanese have the highest um, incidence of parasites. And it's it's because of sushi. It's because they're all about having the freshest fish and and uh, uh, uh Sushi chefs will do something called candling, which is holding up the flesh up to the light to make sure that there aren't uh, no parasites. But uh, it's far from perfect. Um, so eating raw fish, is, anytime you're eating any sort of raw flesh, you are uh, taking a big risk. That's that's the bottom line. And uh, the sushi that you're going to be eating at sushi restaurants um, in America uh, tend to 99% of the time are using frozen fish and with tuna, you don't have to really worry about it. And so you really don't have to worry about it, but that said, off on a tangent, uh, modern sushi is not, is not healthy to eat anyway. Um, most of the seafood that that's being used is, is not healthy to eat. Um, rather than using red snapper, um, uh, it's uh, most sushi restaurants are using tilapia. 
and the tilapia looks vibrant. It's very, very beautiful, and it stays vibrant for a long time because it's smoked with carbon monoxide, so it won't rot for days and days and days. But since it's fed grains, it's high in omega-6 fatty acids, so it's uh, a fish that uh, is not protective like a wild salmon is because it's high in omega-3s. Um, it's an inflammatory fish. And then the white rice, and we shouldn't be eating white rice uh, regularly, um, is just like eating Wonder Bread. It's full of sugar. And uh, the white rice itself converts to sugar. So, again, um, uh, raises your insulin levels. So um, sushi today is not very healthy. I would, uh, I would, uh, I would overall, uh, I'm a big proponent of, uh, of, uh, of making it, uh, cooking, cooking on your own and making your own sushi using whole grains and, uh, not using raw fish, but using, say you can smoke cold smoke fish, mm-hmm. um, and cook fish, you know, uh, right now. Um, I'm around the Chesapeake Bay, so we have invasive blue uh, catfish over here. That's definitely not a fish that I want to eat raw. But man, when you cook this thing, it's it's one of the tastiest fish you can get, right? Yeah, it, it, you know, catfish is one of those fish. Uh, you know, uh, scavenger. I, I like eating catfish. I have a lot of southern friends, and I will. Mm. I, if you invite me to a catfish fry, oh my god, you, we'll become best friends. Now, if you yeah, want to become, <laughs> if you if you want to become someone who I'm not going to uh, invite over for for the holidays, uh, try serving yeah. me tilapia. Years ago, yeah. my dad, who's Filipino, he <laughs> said in the Philippines yeah. you could throw a tilapia into a mud puddle, and basically it's going to essentially like grow into a full-size fish and it was insulting yeah. if you came over someone's house and said here have his tilapia and i don't think a lot of people realize that tilapia is often used to clean out the tanks of uh of sea bass and, and here's a funny story i don't think anyone I, I don't think i've ever told this publicly but years ago i was dating a girl who's now like a school administrator and she's like oh i'm gonna uh, i'll cook for you whatever and i'm like yeah sure that's great and my dad told me when i was a little boy he goes if you ever meet someone who serves you tilapia it's a warning sign so I never had to worry about this until I was on this one date and she, she's like, Oh, I made tilapia. And now it was probably one of the only times I've ever eaten it because I didn't want to yeah. be, I didn't want to insult her, but I was like, that's a yeah. giant red flag, huge red yeah. flag. Um, because culturally it was like the equivalent of us saying, Hey, why don't you come on over? And no offense to anyone that, that enjoys eating squirrel. I've had squirrel. I love it. But imagine someone saying, yeah. hey, oh, I just went to the backyard, shot a squirrel. Here's dinner, you know? Um, yeah. Man, that's one of those foods for me is is polarizing because uh, it's just culturally, I don't, it, it, it was a slap in the face uh, to my father and he passed it on to me. Um, yeah. Are, you know, are, is there anything for you that you're like? Well, see, your dad, your dad is more right than he actually knew. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think, uh, I think a lot of your, your, uh, your, a lot of people don't know, but I'm really a sustainable seafood guy as well. Yeah. So our restaurant uh, was the first sustainable seafood uh, restaurant in the world. You know, we're also the first plant-based sushi restaurant in the world as well. And you actually and, uh, were recognized by by former President Obama, right? I, I was, yeah. So I got a White House uh, uh, environmental award from him. I was the only chef in the country to do that as well. And I was an outside magazine. A bunch of us love that magazine. Mm-hmm. And because leading up to it in the summertime, I was only eating wild foods. Um, I was really cut. And this <laughs> photograph 
um, went viral from outside magazines. So in many magazines, I had been um, one of the sexiest chefs in the world. And <laughs> now I'm not in that good shape. I've got a dad bod and people still think that I'm really sexy. So it's, it's great because it keeps on living on in the Internet. Well, the good thing is you're, uh, you're part, you're, you're Asian. So like, you're going to look, you're going to look that way for probably another hundred years or so. Right. <laughs> they may be so, especially the way I eat, which is that I eat really well, but back to your dad. Yeah. Tilapia. Uh-huh. So, uh, you're, you're totally right about like tilapia being like a fish that can survive in anything and they can eat practically anything too. Um, so Basically, what's done um, in in tilapia farms in China where they're not being ethical, and I don't eat anything from China, by the way, because it's the Wild West over there, and things are just not regulated as they should be, um, is that they'll pump in human excrement into tilapia tanks. Jesus. Because the tilapia will be able to live off the nutrients. And then just kind of, again, to go off the tangent away from tilapia, the FDA is not uh, an, uh, uh, an organ, a governmental organization that is, uh, you know, protective to the highest level. Um, they let a lot of things slip through their fingers. You know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of corruption there as well. You know, corporate cor- uh, product uh, corruption. But um, so they barely do any of the uh, inspections. In fact, um, with seafood that. Uh, we almost 90% of the seafood that we eat in this country is, is from, from abroad. And of that 90%, almost 90%, uh, only 1% get inspected. And of that 1%, almost 90% fail inspection for fungicides, pesticides, um, uh, just dirtiness, microbial uh, issues. Etc. So you can assume that most of the seafood that we're eating today is dirty. So if you want to eat clean seafood, the best thing to do is to eat American. And, and the reason is because uh, American fisheries are among the uh, best managed fisheries in the entire world. You might you you might have to pay a little more, but you're going to be getting. Uh, safer, tastier, healthier seafood. Yeah, I know that uh, imitation uh, crab meat many times is often skate, right? Like a of a variant of a, of a stingray, right? Like they use yeah. the skate wings. So yeah, like, and I have no problem eating the skate itself. Right, right. It's once you process it and you put sugar in it and you put food dye in it and you put flour in it and all these other ingredients in it, then it's no longer something we should be eating. I want to be eating the skate. I just don't want to be eating the imitation anything, including I don't want to be eating an imitation burger either. Oh, know, that's what, the what Beyond they call Meat yeah, the Beyond? Burger is not good for you, and it's not particularly good for the environment as well. Yeah, and if so, you have too much, if you have too much soy, uh, I know that it's actually leading to changes in like testosterone and estrogen levels in both male and female. And on top of that, it, yeah. gives, it gives you moves, you know, man boobs. Um, that's probably, so that's actually been disproven. <laughs> I, I know. I'm just Most, messing with you. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, you and I have man boobs for other reasons. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, We're getting older. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the, the problem with the soy is that the soy, um, is high in omega-6 fatty acids, 
And soy is in everything today, including mm-hmm. the meat that we eat. Cows are not supposed to be raised on soy. They're supposed to be raised on grass. Well, soy makes them grow faster and get mm-hmm. fat, and we get this well-marbleized, tasty, fatty meat that we all like. But the problem is all that fat is fat that's high in omega-6s. Whereas in, if you're eating like an elk, you know, a wild animal, the fat in that wild animal is going to be high in omega-3s because it's eating plants. Right, right. So soy is really problematic in creating inflammation in our bodies. The other thing is that we're supporting monoculture, and monoculture is also the reason why, um, part of the reason why um, we're having such uh, a period, uh, uh, a devastate. We're in such a devastating period of um, mass extinction because monoculture farms are, are wiping away, for example, wiping out, for example, the rainforests. Mm-hmm. And when you're eating an impossible burger, a beyond meat burger, you're eating a soy burger. Man. Yeah. This... Yeah. So uh, I'd rather eat like a mushroom, you know, that you put on a grill and then put it between, you know, whole a hundred percent whole wheat bread than eat an impossible burger. Do you... And not only that, they, they put heme iron into it. Um, part of the reason why we shouldn't be eating meat all the time is not only just environmental, um, meat contains heme iron and heme iron, um, and arthrosclerosis and cardiovascular, um, diseases go hand in hand and they add the heme iron to uh, the beyond meat and impossible burger to give it that like metallic flavor that blood has. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I yeah. anytime I see them on the uh, on the menu, I, I'm like I'm steering f- far away from that. And I think yeah, eat real food, man. Yeah, one of one of the knife makers uh, that I know, he recently lost a lot of weight, and he said his diet is very simple. He does not eat food with multiple ingredients. Very simple, right? He'll have broccoli. There's no ingredient other than yep. broccoli. He will have a steak. There's no other ingredient other than the steak. But he's not going to yep. have something like you mentioned before, like the the infamous hot dog, um, which yeah. is, is the mystery meat that so many of us love. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I, I love a good American hot dog. and I love it too, man. Again, we're going to pop in, guys, and interrupt the podcast and talk to you about our sponsor, Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide to help you sleep, focus, act, and just feel better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can really change your life. I've been trying Headspace out myself, and it's actually helped me with getting into kind of a rhythm with my focus and, and getting dialed in with everything here at work and being the media director as well as teaching You know, and kind of wearing different hats. It is kind of a little bit of a challenge sometimes to bounce between the things that I need to do and stay focused on each task so I can complete something start to finish. Well, it helps me feel healthier, happier, and more present in my everyday life. So you deserve to feel happier. And Headspace is a meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash fieldcraft. That's headspace.com slash fieldcraft for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. It's headspace.com slash fieldcraft. You guys will enjoy it. I promise you that back to the podcast. What, what other yeah. ways do you, what other ways or what other foods are your guilty pleasures? Cause I know, I know you've been this advocate for eating healthy and I I've, I've seen you do this and I I've been watching you, but like, yeah. do you ever slip up and you're like, damn it, I just need to have yeah, all this. the time. Like what, what is it? Uh, all the time, but not only that, listen, if I go over to someone's house and they give me something that's factory farmed animal or whatever, I'm going to eat it. 
you know, mm-hmm. and I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to be really thankful for it to whoever gave it to me. Um, so, I, you know, I try to do stuff about 90% right. And then, uh, and I also try to feed my bad side, you know, because that's my fun side. <laughs> uh, but, is, um, yeah, listen, yesterday I was out with uh-huh. a couple of friends and I ate some chicken wings and, you know, I'm sure it's factory farm and all that sort of stuff. And I dipped it in that, you know, that fake blue cheese dressing. And, you know, I was practically doing shots of that blue cheese dressing. All that stuff is really bad for me. Probably, you know, knocked my life down a, a, a year or something. But it, maybe it was worth it. I don't know. But I'm not always doing the right thing, you know. And I don't think that everyone possibly can. And I really respect people who really are committed and dedicated to eating and living in a way that they believe in. Uh, because I have a hard time doing that 100%. I, I agree. I, I um, believe there's a statement that's uh, everything in moderation, including moderation. And <laughs> and I'm going to bring up a story because Definitely. I want to talk about something that you had at your at your restaurant. Um, I went out with my buddy Jay, uh, one of my college buddies, longtime friend, and we're like, let's go to Mia's. So we're in New Haven. You know, He lived in Branford. I was living down in Clinton. We met up at Mia's uh, and we were going to have like a crazy night on the town. So we went to your restaurant and we're like, let's get a couple drinks. And there was this one drink on the menu menu that was called firecracker sake. And I'm like, let's, let's try this next thing. You know, I don't know how many sake bombs we did or, or or sake drinks we did, but it was, it it, it turned into a a very long night. Um, (laughs) you know, we, we were very responsible with getting, getting back to, you know, where we were staying, but, uh, oh my God, that stuff was crazy. Cause it had, uh, at the time it had some jalapeno in it. Right. Or, or like a, there was some hot, there's something hot in there. So where is that now? Because uh, I know you're still yeah, doing so, it. Yeah, uh, so I had to change the name of it. It was um, called Firecracker for years and years and years. Um, I created it because I wanted to create a sake that really tasted like something really interesting. And so it's both sweet and citrusy and spicy, but it also has like different flavor tones to it as well. It's got um, invasive autumn olives in it, which is a berry, and also mm-hmm. invasive sumac berries, which I'm sure you used to use like in Boy Scouts. Yeah, Indian, le- Indian lemonade. lemonade. Yep, yep. Exactly. So that's there as well. So uh, in the next several months, it's uh, it, it'll be rolling out, and uh, uh, it'll it'll be in local, a few local select stores, and then eventually we're going to expand it to uh, national production. I, I hope so because I want you to send some here yeah. to the Fieldcraft office, and you know we'll we'll have. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll send you guys a bunch. Oh my I gosh, you'll like it. Yeah, I, I, because I it's a, evolving. It's evolving, and I grow my own peppers on our farm. Oh, you're um, you're one of these these pepper guys that that cry, tries to do like I the love, craziest peppers. I, I like the heat, man. I, I like the I like I like the pain. I can't do that. Like number one, yeah. it, for me, it, it burns on both ends. Number two, yeah. like after a while, the yeah. heat just takes over and it's not even, it's not even pleasurable anymore. Like I can eat yeah, yeah. jalapeno peppers. I can do like a barino peppers, but some of these peppers yeah, yeah. where it's like, you know, ghost yeah. pepper or rectum no, destroyer. That's too much for like, me too. Yeah, that's too pass. much. Yeah. That's too much. Habanero is too much. Yeah. I can't do those. They've got to taste, they got to taste good as well. Now um, when, I mean, obviously I know, I know you through your restaurant, you've been super creative. How did yeah. that, how did that lead to, or how did you get discovered? Cause you were on a network yeah. show at one point, right? A competition show. What's that? You were on a competition cooking show at one point, right? Yeah. Um, because, uh, someone that I knew was like, Hey, this is a long time ago. was like, Hey, you should, you should do this. You know, it's good for marketing or whatever. 
And so by the time I did, I, I was asked to do Iron Chef a bunch of years ago. I didn't do it because it really wasn't the best platform for me. It wasn't mm -hmm. a platform where I can really talk about things. Like on this platform, man, we can really dig deep. Absolutely. On a game show, you really can't. So I don't really do game shows, though. I really respect a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and since then, I've done a lot of, you know, I was just in the New York Times and big article. I just did CNN, NPR, Science Friday. I was just in Wired magazine. So, uh, you know, it's great to be able to work with the media um, in order to share these ideas that I think are really, really important. You know, potential solutions to the problems that were environmental and health problems that we're, we're facing today and solutions that are also fun. Right, right. You know, man. I at some point I got to get you get you spun up with Fieldcraft. We got to do something together where we all go out with a bunch of students. Absolutely, and, man. And we we yeah, do something that would be like so that. So awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd rather live your life. I'll tell you that. Well, uh, you know, we we do a lot out here. It's not it's it's nonstop. It's fast paced, it's dude. I'm flying out to, to California tonight to to Oakland to train in martial arts. And uh, oh man, yeah. yeah, I'm getting right back into it, man. I, I watch you do your thing. It's incredible. Now you had it's you had really, a background really cool. in in wrestling, right? Yeah, I, I'm a big lover of wrestling. Uh, I, you know, I. Uh, MMA is my guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah. I've done no, you know, I've done, um, you know, back in the day, you know, uh, when submission fighting wasn't legal, mm -hmm. you're talking about the nineties, you know, uh, I, I threw down in, in a warehouse when, <laughs> when there were no weight classes to, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's just been fun. Just, uh, part of, uh, my life. It's and, uh, today, you know, I'm into like meditation and yoga, you know? So I think that's something more uh, people need to do as they get older is flexibility definitely. training, flexibility and mobility, yeah. not so much strength. Um, cardio yeah. obviously is important. Um, always important. Uh, I think weight training becomes a little bit more important as you get older, mm -hmm. like moderate weight training to keep bone density and just to keep your muscles, to keep your skeleton together. Yes. Yeah. Um, is really important. I think doing the kind of exercises like martial arts, um, that's fun. Uh, that's a game and where you constantly learn is really important too. I think as we get older, we kind of get set in our ways and we stop learning new things. And I think that's something that, uh, we don't want to do. And I think eating new things is part of opening your mind up an exercise of opening your mind up to new things. Because otherwise, uh, yeah, you know, you become a fossil. Everything calcifies. And next thing you know, you become one of these people who just say, hey, well, this is the way I do it because that's the way I've always been doing it. And you start thinking like that, then you have no progress in your life. Right. Things so, work. Things work forever until they don't. Right. Like, oh, I've, we've yeah. been doing this forever. Well, it's not always going to work that way. <laughs> you know, just because uh, it's traditional doesn't mean it's the best way of doing things. That's the reality of it. Absolutely. You know, uh, eating white rice is traditional, but it's not the healthiest thing and going. The, and that's why and the sustainable the sushi, rice. we use whole grains. And the sticky rice is, is rice vinegar, sugar, and what is it? Sticky, uh, rice vinegar, sugar. It's terrible. It's terrible, terrible for you, right? For you. Yeah, cavities and diabetes, cancer, heart disease, dementia, all related to eating like that. And that's how yeah. you, how, like in the uh, sumo world, they got sumo wrestlers so large, right? It was just rice. Right. Yeah. It's not the meat that they're eating. It's not the vegetables <laughs> that they're eating. It's the rice. They eat massive quantities of rice. 
Yeah. Man. Definitely. Well, yeah. we're running short on time for this podcast. I know you've got a lot of projects, you know, in your hopper. Like, what do you have? Yeah. What do you have coming out? Say, like, in the next, like, I don't know. But we, we use references like 25 meter target, 100 meter target. So, like, next... Yeah, yeah. Next 30 days, next year, next five years. Like, what, yeah, what, where so, are we going to find uh, you? So I post a lot of stuff on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I just started really kind of getting into it. So uh, it's uh, at Cooking for Peace. Cooking without a G. Cooking for Peace. And uh, a lot of the ideas that I, I work on is posted over there. It's really great because people reach out to me and it's, it's amazing to just like you to have this like international community of people mm-hmm. who inspire and teach each other. So yeah, if anyone is interested in what I do or have any questions or would like to collaborate on something, def- definitely just reach out to me. Uh, other than that, I'm, I'm focused on doing a few events here and there all around the world, collaborating with some of the coolest people on earth and definitely with you in the future. Um, I'll be in the media plenty of times, uh, collaborating with them as well. And then I'm working on writing a book, making this sake, the flaming cock roll out <laughs> and, uh, working on a television show. So, uh, so I'm kind of putting pen to paper on a concept for that and then, uh, making that happen eventually as well. Wow. Man, you are yeah. all over the place. And I mean, I say that to a Just lot of like people, you, but man. like, yeah, but like <laughs> yeah. you're, you're really yeah. all over the place. Um, yeah. I'll be, I'll be back in Connecticut probably this fall. Uh, I got I'm constantly teaching there. It gives me a chance to like, uh, you know, double dip, teach for Fieldcraft, visit my, my folks. They're older. So, uh, I, at some point I'll have to take a ride down there. If you're, if you're in the neighborhood, I'll have to swing by and we'll have to, you know, drink some sake and, and uh, eat, definitely eat. we got to hang out. And also, you know, I just want to tip my hats to teachers like yourself, man, because oh, thank you. Uh, they're they're really the foundation of society. And one of the things that another thing that I didn't mention that we're doing is that uh, this fall, uh, like every fall, we're going to go into schools and we're going to treat kids to sustainable food. So we're going to be bringing insects and other novel ingredients and, and talk about the things that you and I are talking about right now. Man, if so. you if you ever need someone to serve as like a like a lens or a filter to kind of help you navigate the the rigmarole of you know public education and nationwide and statewide curriculum to like get these programs into the public schools, do not yeah. hesitate to hit me up. I'm I'm always looking to well, let's, um, to do that. Let's actually just work on that as a project. And, Sounds good. Uh, and and do something that uh, uh, do something for reals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that it. offline for sure. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm interested, but guys yeah. uh, listen, if you're, if you find this stuff interesting, hit up on uh, check out his, his social media, look for all these examples of the things that he's done. Uh, and uh, you know, just keep your eyes open because the guy's a mover and a shaker and he's going to do some pretty cool stuff. So Bun, thank you so much for being on. Man, the pleasure was all mine. Uh, looking forward to seeing you, brother. And, and uh, thank you to all your amazing listeners. Hey, thank you so Appreciate much. It, brother. All right, guys. Uh, you've just listened to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Kevin Estella. Talk to you next time.